Hello, everyone, and welcome to the George Sanders Show. Uh, this week, tying in with a screening at the Northwest Film Forum of Claire Denis' Chocolat, we're going to talk about uh, a more recent film of uh, hers, Bastards, which uh, is, I wouldn't even say based on, but it's it's inspired somewhat by Akira Kurosawa's The Bad Sleep Well. Um, so we'll be discussing that film as well uh, and picking a uh, the star of that film, Tashira Mafuni, as our person of the week. Um, and we're also going to pick our essential Capitalism is the Devil uh, <laughs> films because there's just there's too many to sift through. We really have to, you know, winnow it down. Um, Capitalism really is the worst. It's the worst. <laughs> I was thinking about it when I was watching uh, The Bad Sleep Well. You know, the phrase, uh, money is the root of all evil. Mm-hmm. It's really the other way around. Evil is the root of all money. <laughs> Interesting. That's, that's deep. I know, right? Uh, uh, you, you, I, I hope that is to... the level of insight that we are able to achieve on this uh, podcast here. Well, a little trick. If you ever want to sound deep, you just take a common uh, adage and then just move the words around. And then you sound um, really cool. Interesting. <laughs> Like the well sleep bad, you know, it's it's that right. easy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and we're also going to get into some what's Mike watching because uh, I'm doing a deep dive this month. Uh, so anyway, uh, Sean, uh, we're, we're starting a little late because uh, I had to watch um, an animated silent movie and you had to get into a milkshake uh, conundrum. Yes. So uh, <laughs> I'll leave that I'll leave that as it is. And our listeners can uh, make up their own mind about what occurred uh, with the milkshakes, but uh, <laughs> how you doing? You doing good? Uh, I'm, I'm doing fine. Good. Yeah. I saw you this week. Yeah, it was weird. I know, wasn't it? Yeah. The funniest part, Sean and I go to the bar, right? We get invited to go to this bar uh, by someone that works at the Grand in Tacoma and uh, very nice of, of uh, what's her name? Katie. <laughs> very nice of Katie to uh, invite us out and, and pick our brains about stuff. Uh, but here's here's the here's the glorious George Sanders part of this whole extravaganza. It's uh, you know seven thirty on a Thursday night, and uh, Katie orders a beer. <laughs> Mike orders a Coca Cola, and Sean orders a coffee. <laughs> yep. <laughs> this is what you're dealing with, people. This is what you're dealing with. I I am old. <laughs> we go to an Irish bar, and I get a Shirley Temple. <laughs> you get a cup of coffee. Is that what a uh, Shirley, is that what a Shirley Temple is? No, Shirley Temple. I think Shirley Temple's like Seven Up and and like cherry something oh. in it. But okay. it's 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 a it's a virgin drink. Um, All right. So it wasn't like named after her because she had like a cocaine addiction or something. No, Sean. <laughs> Because that would be hilarious. <laughs> that would just be cruel. Um, no, I think there is a, a name for what uh, just plain Coca-Cola is, though. And uh, anybody out there that's a regular uh, designated driver may be able to other, chime in. Other than Coca-Cola? Other than Coca-Cola. Yeah, I think there might be a, a, you know, a bar handle for that, but I'm not sure. Okay. Uh, man, you know. The back and forth on this show, Sean. We just really bring it. Yep. Uh, <laughs> we're oh, and last but not least, we're going to be listening to Moby Grape today because uh, it's uh, it's weirdly appropriate, but also weirdly inappropriate. 
but I'm into that. So anyway, uh, before we get to that, let's hear uh, a little clip here from Akira Kurosawa's The, Bla- the, <laughs> the Bad Sleep Well. こいつら子供しなきゃ今頃は幸せな探しで強さで売ってるやつなんだ俺はそれを許せないこいつらいくら憎んだって憎む気分ですじゃないんだ<笑> Okay, that's a clip from uh, The Bad Sleep Well uh, from 1960, directed by Akira Kurosawa. Um, The plot of the film is about there's this evil corporation, the public corporation, um, that has... um, some shady stuff going on in their past. A, a, um, a high-level uh, board member uh, threw themselves out a window five years ago. And that comes back to haunt them um, on the day of the wedding of one of the high-ranking people. Um, his, his daughter's getting married to Toshiro Mifune. Um, and... I'm just going to spoil the whole thing because you have to with this movie. But anyway, it comes back to haunt them uh, as... A cake is brought out that show with a red rose in the window of where that person uh, had jumped to their death. Um, and as the movie goes on, it turns into this tale of revenge. Uh, turns out it's Mifuni who uh, masterminded it all because his father was the guy that uh, jumped out the window. And um, he has all these plots and schemes to bring down the company, um, or at least you know completely wreck the minds uh, and you know lifestyles of these people um part of that is is marrying the daughter um and then he also saves another person that they try and kill uh from from death and has him be kind of a a specter to haunt people and stuff like that anyway um it's a tale of revenge but it's a kurosawa tale of revenge and when i say that i mean there's a lot more going on with it um or Kurosawa tends to tell like a really full story. This is how I feel about him. You know, like Ikiru, you think of that movie and um, so much of it takes place after uh, Takahashi Shimura dies. Um, and, and that's the meat and potatoes of the movie. This movie kind of has the same thing where you th- you think it's going in one direction. It adds another kind of piece to the plot and follows that through. And then it does this. It does it to another part of the plot and gives you a really well-rounded um, juicy, it, almost like a novel kind of story to it. Um, Definitely. 
and uh, I haven't seen this before. I'm a, I'm I'm a big Kurosawa fan. Uh, I don't know who isn't. Um, and I I mean, there's not a Kurosawa movie I I dislike, but uh, there are a few as as I've mentioned on the show that I still have not gotten around to, like Red Beard. <laughs> um, and this was one that I've been wanting to see forever. I really have. I love that. I love the title. I love the you know Criterion cover to it. Um, and stuff, and it's just one I just hadn't gotten around to. Um, and you mentioned that you had not seen this in a good fifteen years or so, Sean. Uh, yeah, almost almost twenty years. <laughs> Old man. <laughs> yeah. Like 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 a lot of people, when I first started watching foreign movies, uh, I watched a lot of Kurosawa, and I just kind of go to the video store and rent all of the the tapes I could find. And this was one of the ones that I watched in like that initial Kurosawa binge, but I hadn't been back to it since then. Yeah. Unlike some of his other, you know, uh, seven samurai, you and I have both seen a billion times and, uh, a lot of the other ones, um, are sure. just kind of constant repeats. Um, and you know what? I'm going to watch this again. I really liked the bad sleep. Well, yeah, it's, uh, it's good. <laughs> well, that's our discussion about the <laughs> Here's some Moby Grape. Uh, no, here, here's the thing. Uh, I thought this movie was a slam dunk, flat out masterpiece for about an hour and a half. Um, and and I and once again, I really like where Kurosawa goes, and I like that he gives us more of this story than just kind of this revenge plot to it like he he really there are a lot of really good twists and turns narratively um to lead to this the the very bittersweet conclusion that we get here but um the first hour and a half i was like this is freaking awesome like i was loving i was loving Mafuni's performance uh which we can talk about in a second here um which is very understated for him uh he's, he's intentionally kind of uh, blending into the scenery here uh, so that he can get away with his, his uh, schemes and stuff like that. Um, I, I loved seeing what he was doing to, to bring these people down and stuff. However, um, while it's not bad, it does lose a little bit of its momentum once he kidnaps Takashi Shimura and locks him in a, a bunker. Um, and it, it kind of slows down at that point and it got a little it, 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 like he it lessens up on his anger and yeah and kind of half-heartedly builds a, a love story with him and the woman that he's married just to get at her father yeah uh yoshiko i think is her name uh yeah so that that part and there's some really good stuff in that stuff in that uh, section i actually really like the conversation he has with her and he tells her about his father and stuff like that and it's shot in a really great uh kind of static take with this really long corridor and stuff um but yeah it, that's that 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 shot that shot in particular is is really memorable when they're when they're in this underground bunker and there's this like long bench it's like an old factory, so this was like a would have been like a bench or worker set to like get changed or something, um, and it uh, it runs perpendicular to the camera, out into like this deep focus, almost like infinity, um, and it like divides the frame and it's very symmetrical and she's on one side and he's on the other and it's it's all like really obviously composed and 
kind of hermetically sealed. And Kurosawa tends to to do things like that, and it makes his movies seem uh, kind of lifeless at times, like they've like they're you know kind of more formal experiments than than kind of breathing artworks. But I love those formal experiments, like the the yeah. uh, the opening to this movie. Oh my god! Like because I haven't watched a Kurosawa in a while, and the the opening s- section of this movie um, it takes place at this wedding uh, reception, and and just the opening section where there are all these journalists that are kind of milling about in the lobby because they know uh, something scandalous is about to happen or whatever. And the, and the, the compositions of the shots um, as, as the camera uh, follows them, but then weaves back because the elevator door opens and the, you know, the wedding party comes through and um, the way that it's structured and shot and it is hermetic uh, is just so good like it like it it's it's a it's a really it's a really efficient way of setting up the characters and their various their various schemes kind of orienting you in this world of uh corporate bureaucratic corruption uh yeah it's like it's like this great kind of sets stage setting prologue thing where you have like this chorus of journalists introducing you to all of the major characters well, and I love it that that's even in the text where that that scene ends and a, and a character says um, a that character this was says, just a prologue. Yeah, one what, what, one reporter says, "Wow, what a first act or whatever," and then the other guy is like, "Man, this is just the prologue." And I was like, mm-hmm. "Oh snap, <laughs> Kurosawa, what?" Um, and and what's good about that kind of uh, the the narrative economy that comes with that kind of compositional blocking and stuff like that is that um, sometimes film nerdy wise i get kind of wrapped up in in the compositions that i kind of f- forgot to forget to pay attention to the dialogue for a little bit of it because i'm just like so enamored with the, the the decisions behind the camera that uh it's 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 nice of kurosawa to 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 do that for me because uh otherwise i might be lost at certain points <laughs> yeah and and as it ultimately turns out like the the plot is not that complicated like i remember it being a, a, a very complicated plot and uh i don't i don't think it is there's like the the different layer layers of bureaucrat that are the bad guys and and mifune's is pretty clear about what he's doing at every stage so it's not a difficult it's not a hard to follow movie unless you know you're you're getting lost in the the perfection of the compositions yeah well but but uh it it does uh, it kind of changes lanes as we as you were saying um, in terms of what it's kind of focusing on as it goes on so I, like I don't think it's confusing at all narratively at all um, like Emotion, said, emotionally it gets kind of confusing yeah emotionally it kind of moves from uh, this like you said a kind of a more um, streamlined tale of revenge and then and then there's a great scene where Mafuni kind of moves past that he tears up this picture of his dead father that he's been carrying around and stuff and he he decides to to i think what does his friend say his 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 friend whose identity is he has stolen he says it's a really great line too he says something like if you're frustrated just start over or something like that yeah. um which i th- which i think is really really cool because then it does kind of do that uh narratively too it kind of moves into this new um 
kind of field or whatever as it goes into that that second section but uh yeah i mean i i think i think this is something that that claire denis will expand on in in bastards but but in a way the mafuni character becomes a a victim of his own revenge scheme like it yes. ends up um it ends up kind of destroying this relationship with a woman that he didn't know that he wanted. And then he kind of accidentally fell in love with her because she's so sweet and damaged, which is, you know, a really kind of Kurosawa ish thing to do to, uh, Kurosawa famously has like terrible female characters. And this one (laughs) is, is, uh, is pretty bad. Yeah. He's not, it is his weak spot. Yeah. And it and is he definitely his weak spot. And he and he would you know readily admit that that he's just bad at at women. Not that that excuses it, but right. Yeah. It's yeah. It's it's it. It's not even necessarily that he's bad at women. It's just he really has zero interest in women, which is is a bad thing. But yeah. but yeah, it's not. It's not like he's intentionally misogynistic or anything like that. It's just literally no, the win- no. the women are just. You know, they're, they're plot points. They're, yeah, you know, exactly. They're, that's it. That's all they're there for. They're they're um, expedients. Right. Exactly. Um, and what's funny is that he, uh, uh, Mufuni's character, uh, when he does decide to make this uh, change, when he decides to to come at this revenge from a different angle, that is the point when his whole thing falls apart. Yep. Like he's doing great. He's got. I mean, he he conjures the dead. I mean, he's he's saving people from assassinations in the street. He's yeah, doing he, all he, these. He's ultimately not able to be as ruthless as the people he's targeting. Right, which is which leads to his downfall, and uh, and that and and that aspect of the the second half of this, where where we see um, the difference between him and the real villains of the piece, reminds me of uh, Ikiru, where you know it it really unmasks people for who they are um, in a very bitter, <laughs> very, very bitter way, um, which I find uh, delicious. But <laughs> uh, So what do you think about the, the kind of like uh, capitalism is the devil is our, our essential. So what do you think about the kind of picture of, this this bureaucratic capitalism that that Kurosawa paints because it seems to me that what he is critiquing here is is kind of the same ideology he's going after in his samurai films. Oh yeah 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 Def- I I absolutely think so. And you know there's this there's this idea that the samurai films are a commentary on on pre World War II Japan and on the rise of this kind of uh, uh, militarist dictatorship that led the country into into these you know various disastrous wars, um, but I, I think it's it's interesting you don't often see that same ideology portrayed in modern day Japanese films at least not in uh, in directors of of Kurosawa's generation I think I think maybe you see it with like Japanese new wave directors uh, more so right but, uh, a little later yeah. Yeah. Uh and you know a lot a lot of guys like like Oshima uh Nagisa Oshima who were near blatantly responding to Kurosawa, Mizuguchi and, and Ozu as as not addressing the kind of present day concerns. I think I think here you know Kurosawa is is taking that 
that critique that is in his period films and applying it for the only time that I can really think of to a, a modern day film. Yeah, I mean, I'd have to run my brain through. I mean, high and low, like high yeah. high and low, and Stray Dog are are you know they're after different concerns. Like, but this is very much the the lack of questioning authority. The we're just following orders. The right, right, yeah, 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 um, yeah. Everybody is blameless, <laughs> or they 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 right. claim they claim they're blameless. You know. Um, but personal morality is is subservient to the needs of the organization, either yes. the the state or the clan or the the corporation. Right. Yeah, I definitely see a through line between between that and his uh, his uh, samurai films. And you know, the, going off of that idea is is a lot of people um, kind of separate the two, the samurai films and the. Uh, the kind of modern day films with him mm-hmm. um, as, as, as they do for a lot of directors, you know, John Ford is, you know, he does Westerns and then he's got these other ones, you know, but the Westerns are really what we care about, you know? Um, or, and that's sad. Or, you know, in John Ford's own time, it was the other way around. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and, and it's, it's, it's a shame that the, the, the contemporary set uh, of films of Kurosawa aren't as beloved or, or is screened as often. They're definitely not screened as often. You don't, I mean, maybe high and low, but you don't see stuff, stuff like bad sleep. Well, come in on rep things you know, you usually get the same, uh, cycle of, and, and I love the samurai films, but, uh, his, his movies are also fascinating. Yeah. I mean, the, the samurai films are, are popular genre films, just like, just like Ford's Westerns. And there are, there are like the same critical dynamics around, around um kurosawa as there are around around people like john ford or um other directors who work in genres and then work in more kind of prestigious things you see a lot of uh, a lot of your more uh, uh uh snootier film critics who dismiss kurosawa's uh samurai films but will praise ikaru to the skies right 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 um and it's all part of the same bowl of stew you know yeah um and as well you see it with johnny toe now too where you know it's like if he's not making a crime movie then it's it's not worth seeing or something like that right it's uh, it's it's genre bias and and right. it's it's always existed the genres have have shifted over the years which ones get taken seriously and which ones don't but but it's always been there among uh, a certain kind of critical elite right um and that's a shame yes <laughs> tisk tisk says mike uh, to the critical elite, uh, <laughs> the critical elite are like the bad guys in the bad sleep well, and you and I are like Tashiro Mifune. Uh, we're taking them down one podcast at a time. <laughs> uh. Uh, oh, so, you... so did did this remind you of Hamlet? It doesn't. I mean, I get it. I get the Hamlet like uh, connotations and the the kind of. Uh, rock bed of of Hamlet, but um, no, <laughs> is my answer. I think there's too I think there's too much that is different from Hamlet to really feel like Hamlet. Yeah, I mean, it's not even. I mean, Throne of Blood and Ron are are not faithful adaptations of Shakespeare, but they are clearly adaptations of Shakespeare. This yeah, is yeah, yeah. this is. 
this bears less resemblance to Hamlet than Bastards bears resemblance to the Bad Sleep Well. Exactly. Yeah, because um, I, I kind of I knew going into this that there was a Hamlet uh, in the DNA. Um, yeah. But then when it was over, I, I was reading a little bit up on it, and, and I saw the Hamlet mentioned again, and I was like, "See, I didn't know. I didn't think of Hamlet." I mean, there's there's an idea of like a vengeance for the father, and by a a uh, a man who ultimately becomes to comes to question whether or not the vengeance is worth it, right? And then ends up getting kind of destroyed by that, but. Yeah, that, but that's that's, that's but that about it. A, yeah, yeah, it's. I mean, that's such a you could you could kind of pull that idea from a lot of different uh, disparate things that don't have nothing to do with Shakespeare. But um, yeah, but yeah, I mean, you know, Kurosawa obviously has a deep abiding affection for Shakespeare, as you mentioned with the other films um, sure. and stuff. So I'm I'm sure it probably was intentionally in the dna somewhere but i don't i, I don't see this as any sort of analog to yeah I, I don't know that it was ever conceived as a hamlet adaptation right. in the way those right. other films were uh, i want to kind of mention the the supporting cast here because there are a lot of recognizable faces if you know i mean not just kurosawa films but just japanese films in general there's a uh, masayuki mori plays the the uh he's not the head bureaucrat because he answers to other people but he's, right. he's Mifune's main target. He's the main villain in, in our eyes. Yeah, and he's uh, you'll, you'll know him from, from Rashomon. He's the, the samurai that, that Mifune uh, fights. Uh, he's also the, uh, the villain in uh, a number of uh, Mikio Naruse films. Uh, he's, he's very good. I actually didn't recognize him. He looks so old here. Um, but there's also Takashi Shimura, of course. Uh, Kamatari Fujiwara. Who played uh, Monzo in the Seven Samurai? Is, That's uh, right. Is the the guy who Mifune recruits to pretend to be a, a ghost, and he's uh, he's pretty great. Uh, Chishu Ryu, of course, the the father figure from all the Yasujiro Ozu films, is has a small part. Uh, uh, Seiji Miyaguchi, who's the master swordsman from Seven Samurai, uh, is my favorite guy. He's the yeah. cop. Yeah. He's the cop. Like when uh, he shows up, I'm like, oh man, I I just have oh, I love him. And uh, uh, Susumu uh, Fujita plays the detective, and he is the star of Kurosawa's first ever movie, uh, Sanchiro Sagata. And he he didn't have much of like a starring role career, but he's in like a whole lot of Kurosawa films and like these really small parts, which is mm. uh, which is always cool. So and he he plays cool. a detective, so. Yeah, it's it's a really good collection. I think this this might be the only time Chishu Ryu worked with Kurosawa. I'm not sure he was at. They were at different studios, because because Ryu was at uh, 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 Shochiku, which was Ozu's studio, and Kurosawa, of course, was at Toho. So mm-hmm. um, this might have been the only time they worked. Oh, he was in uh, he was in Red Blood also. So and, uh, Dream, and Dreams. How about that? How about that? How about that? Uh, yeah, it's it's hard for me to see. You know, I love uh, Takashi Shimura. He's he's one of my favorite mm. actors ever, and it's it's hard to see him playing a bad guy. <laughs> uh, it really is, and 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 to have Mafuni be the guy that's you know locking him in a. I mean, he does a really great job, but it's like you're you're like the most you know noble guy in Seven Samurai, you know, and it's 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 difficult for me to. 
to take that, you know, but uh, that's drama for you. I also wanted to give a shout out to uh, Masaru Sato, who did the score for this. Mm. Um, and mostly it's one theme and it's a theme that Mifune's character will whistle throughout the film. And then you get it kind of variations on that theme. But there are other songs, too. There's a, the opening credit song and stuff are great. Like it's a it's a really 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 good score. Um, the 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 song that he whistles is, I really like the way that he uses it because it's so like incongruously happy. Right. It's like just it, whistling this happy tune while he's you know going through this like torturous revenge scheme. Yeah, he's really, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. It, uh, I think the best use of it is when he picks up the uh there's there's a lower level bureaucrat guy that um they end up he ends up driving insane um Mm -hmm. (laughs) which is plan b that wasn't his initial plan um and he saves him from uh being assassinated on the street by his house uh late at night and he pulls him into a car and the guy's freaking out he's like oh my god i almost got killed wait what the hell what are you doing here and then he looks in the back seat and sees who he thought was uh, you know his co-worker who he thought was dead uh, and he's like, what are you doing? What are you doing to me or whatever? And then Mafuni just like, doesn't answer. He just whistles and it's yeah. like, Ooh, that's cold, you know? <laughs> um, so yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's really good. Um, yeah. Kurosawa rules. <laughs> <laughs> we should, have you done the Kurosawa TSP? You have done Kurosawa, right? Uh, we did two. Okay. Two of them. Uh, I think we did a samurai one and a non samurai one. Yeah. Um, I need to I need to go back and watch because it's been a long time because you know like you said when you first kind of dive into cinema, um, you you kind of do your Hitchcock and your Kurosawa and your you know your John Ford and you go through stuff like that, um, and then it kind of sits on the shelf for a while you know, um, and I I really need to get around to seeing some of those other ones I haven't seen and rewatching the ones that I own and love so much. So well, there's a, a nineteen forty six of course is our year this year for the George right. Sander show. And there is a Kurosawa film from that year. That is a, uh, a very underrated gem. I think it's one you haven't seen called no regrets for our youth. It's true. Uh, it stars uh, Setsuko Hara and it is really, really good. And uh, it has uh, one of my favorite lines about, uh, about Kurosawa is uh, Donald Ritchie talking about this film about no regrets for our youth. And uh, I think it, it applies somewhat as well to the bad sleep well and uh the line is uh, kurosawa's talent is stronger than his wish to be socially useful <laughs> that's awesome yeah i love that yeah and that is that is Rest a kurosawa. Peace, donald ritchie that's really great yeah. i like that uh well that's our discussion of the bad sleep well uh it's really good and uh, I, I want to watch it again. Um, <laughs> but uh, as I said, we're going to be listening to some Moby Grape today. And uh, as I said, it's it's a little uh, little rude of me to put a song called Fall on You uh, after the movie about the guy that uh, gets thrown out of a window. But <laughs> here you go. Here's Fall on You from Moby Grape. Uh, I hope you like it. Hey! 
All right. Uh, thanks, Mr. Grape. Uh, <laughs> moving on with the show. You really know nothing about Moby Grape, do you? Is it not a person? It's not a person. <laughs> All right. Uh, so, Mike, what you been watching? Uh, uh, so, uh, faithful listeners to the show will know that uh, over the last two years, I've done uh, a month where I deep dive into a certain film genre. The first year was westerns, um, which is a, a genre true, uh, d- you know, true to my heart. Uh, and then last year I did film noir, uh, and uh, so this also year, true to your black black heart. That's right, my black and spoiled heart. Um, this year, the missus and I were discussing, you know, what should we do, and uh, she suggested adventure films because it's kind of a sub genre that we had. You know, I mean, obviously we've all assimilated a lot of genre, fil- a lot of uh, adventure films, but. Uh, it's not one that we gravitate towards often. So uh, the month is new. You know, it's only we're only five days in as we record this, um, but we've watched a, an adventure film every day, uh, starting with Fantastic Voyage on uh, the first. But the two films I want to talk about, uh, one I just finished uh, moments before we started recording, uh, was The Adventures of Prince Ahmed. Uh, the 1926 uh, shadow animation film that uh, you've talked about before, I think, on the show. Uh, Have I? I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. I've, I've heard you talk about it sometimes. I think, Pro- I probably. think like, whatever done, I'm talking to you, it's the show, but uh, who knows? Um, that we, that we, one I we... just finished up, and that was really uh, a remarkable uh, achievement. Really a great, unique piece of cinema. Um, it's German. Uh, I the director's name's Lottie. What's her last name? Uh, Renninger, I think. Yeah, something like Renninger. that. Uh, and you know, everybody thinks that Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs is the first animated feature film, but it's the first hand-drawn animated feature film. This predates it by over a decade um, as animated. Um, but yeah, it's you know, it's really really good. <laughs> And it's the story, you know, it kind of cobbled together from, you know, Arabian Nights. Uh, there's a evil magician who, uh, you know, kidnaps a, a princess and uh, sends Prince Ahmed off on this crazy journey. He goes to China. He meets Aladdin. They hang out. Uh, there's a witch. There's a witch uh, magician battle and stuff. It's super good. Um, it looks gorgeous. The animation's fantastic. There's a really great sense of three-dimensional planes with it, um, with these uh, painted backgrounds and stuff, um, with these silhouettes um, over it. Uh, super fun. Uh, yeah. I, I, do you have anything I, to say about the I, Adventures of Prince Ahmed? I agree. Okay. It, it is. A, it is a very fun movie. It, it's. Uh, it's really cool. It's really really cool. Um, uh, but my favorite film so far uh, of the five that I've watched. Uh, this month, and one that I expect will probably stay near the top uh, when we get to the end here, uh, is Jacques Tenor's The Flame and the Arrow, uh, starring everybody's favorite Burt Lancaster um, from 1950, which I just adored. I loved every second of it. It's a it's a swashbuckling kind of story uh, in the vein of your Errol Flynn um, stuff, where the fun-loving Burt Lancaster... Um, has his son kidnapped by his ex-wife um, and the evil, you know, 
lord of the realm, as it were. Uh, and so Burt Lancaster has to use all of his acrobatic techniques uh, to save his son. And it is uh, just a blast from start to finish. Lancaster's got a smile on his face from the get-go. It's just super fun. And and the stunts are just amazing. And I just absolutely loved it. I think it's a great movie. Yeah, I, ha- I haven't seen that one, but I, I do love swashbuckling Burt Lancaster. Oh, my God. He's so... Uh, like, this is kind of the first swashbuckling Burt Lancaster. I haven't seen The Crimson Pirate yet. The although... Crimson Pirate's really good. I that's going to happen. Robert Siodmak, I think. Yeah, directed it that. is. Yeah, and that's coming by before the end of the month after the Flame and the Arrow because that one's more well respected than the Flame than the Flame and the Arrow. Um, and if it's as good as that, then I'm happy. Uh, you know, it's it's funny because it's Flame and the Arrow. It's a little creaky in spots. Like there there are a couple moments. Um, like the kid is escaping uh, and he's running across a rooftop and he's trying to go to this next uh, kind of gable or whatever. Uh, and you see the hand of like a you know stunt person like grab the kid like to get him <laughs> to safety or whatever. Um, so you know it's not totally smooth, but part of that ramshackleness uh, it makes it really 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 fun. And I I just absolutely adored it. Um, yeah, and you really you can't you can't go wrong with Jacques Tenor even when he's working in in like the worst conditions and the most disreputable of, of genres. He's he's going to put together something. Great, yeah, and we're, we're going to talk about him next time on the show. More. That's true. Yes, so. we will. Um, yeah, and uh, I got to give a shout out because um, Nick Cravat, who was uh, one of who was Burt Lancaster's kind of buddy uh, yeah. when they were uh, do, when they were literal acrobats, um, as I think we mentioned before on the show, Burt Lancaster actually does all this stuff himself. Uh, Nick Cravat plays, as he did in many uh, of the period pieces he did with uh, Burt Lancaster, he plays a mute because his Brooklyn accent was way too thick and he couldn't <laughs> he couldn't lose it. Um, but just seeing the two of them work together, doing these crazy, you know, tightrope things and, you know, climbing these poles and just, oh, my God, flame in the arrow. If you haven't seen it, get on it. It's great. And I was reading Letterboxd later and. No, no one liked it nearly as much as I did. Everybody was giving it like three and a half. And I'm like, no, this movie's just super fun. I don't know what your your people's problem is. So that's what I've been watching. That's what I will be continuing to watch for the rest of the month. Uh, and it's been a real blast so far. So cool. National National Treasure is the worst movie I've seen so far, which was not a surprise. Yeah, why, why did you even watch that? Because I'm filling in the gaps here. And I, and I want to see. It's not a gap. I wanted to see someone steal the Declaration of Independence, all right? Yeah. And then I saw it, and it sucked. So there you go. Um, but anyway, onward we plow uh, into a discussion of the star of Bad Sleep Well, Tashiro Mifuni. Uh, one of the, I would say, one of the greatest icons of cinema um, ever to grace the screen. Yeah, without a doubt. He's for a long time. Uh, I would say that he was my favorite actor, but mostly that's just because we have the same birthday. <laughs> oh, I just found out someone awesome has my birthday. Who the hell was it? Not Tashira Mafune. No, it might have been Burt Lancaster, but maybe it's mm. not. I don't know. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think he. I think he's without a doubt the best actor to have been born on April first. <laughs> uh, Debbie Reynolds, I think, is is up there, but but she is no 
Tashira Mafuni. Tashira Mafuni, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah Mafuni's a G. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we, we kind of talked about how, how the Bad Sleep Well was an unusual performance from him. And he's he's got a few of these uh, in his career, especially in the the modern day set Kurosawa films where he's much more restrained and buttoned down and internalized than he is in the the broader samurai films that he's he's more known for and it's always kind of jarring to see that because he brings the same kind of intensity to a a very different kind of character yeah and and yeah and i i it it is it is it... <laughs> sorry my brain went in like three different spots at once there. It's yeah. um, better yeah, than, one... than zero spots. That's true. Um, and once again, it kind of goes back to what we were saying about Kurosawa, where um, the samurai films are so so well known. So when I think of Toshiro Mifune, the first thing that comes to my mind is him jumping in the air and doing like a, you know, kind of a double kick with his heels kind of thing um, as he does in seven samurai um, when, you know, something goes well, you know, um, and he's, and he's, he's relishing the fact of that or, or his outland, you know, his very, very um, overblown performance in something like Rashomon or something like that. Yeah. Uh, but, but yeah, but then you get him in, you know, in these movies uh, like this and high and low and stuff. And he's very buttoned down, um, and and he's able to he's able to con- still command the screen um, without having to really move at all, um, and and that's that's really interesting to be able to play both sides of that coin. Yeah, I think he he's he's obviously he's most famous for the samurai characters that he played, and not and not just in in Kurosawa films. He played uh, in like samurai. Samurai Rebellion. Um, what was the one from 1965 that I really liked that he was in? Samurai Assassin. Samurai Assassin. Uh, and of course, Redbeard was was also 1965. Uh, but he did he did the the Samurai trilogy, and he's really the only good thing about those films because they're really, really kind of lifeless. Um, <laughs> uh, one. I have not seen them. Yeah, one one of his movies that uh, that I really love is uh, uh, an English language one called uh, uh, Hell in the Pacific, in which he stars with Lee Marvin, and it's directed by John Borman. And the entire movie is these two guys. Uh, I think it's, it's set during World War II, and they both like wash up on a deserted island, one Japanese and one American soldier. And they just kind of had play out the war between themselves, not being able to speak each other's language and, and everything. Yeah, we ran film. that uh, during our Lee Marvin single-handedly one World War II uh, series, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, which I still think is one of the greatest ideas we've ever had. Yeah. Uh, Lee Mar- the Lee Marvin show was, uh, you know, uh, a runner-up name, by the way. We're, we're, you and I just aren't drunk enough to to do the Lee Marvin show, but no, no. Uh, but yeah. we are we are smooth enough for George Sanders. That's right. <laughs> um, yeah, um, I, and I also like him in movies. You know, once again, he's he's like a um, 
you, you think of actor director pairings and obviously he is he's tied at the hip uh for cinema history in terms of you know being with kurosawa but as you, as you said he's done he did so many things um beyond that and he did uh he was in the life of oharu right yeah, uh, small and, a small role in that. Right, um, but then he's also in, um, like you said, he's in sort of Doom, and uh, he he has a very long storied career that uh, is obviously punctuated with a lot of, you know, roles with Kurosawa, and so and I think really, it's justified because I think that when the two of them were working together and and um, really clicking, you know, it was there was nothing better. Yeah, he's one of the the rare Asian actors who attempted to cross over to Hollywood, uh, like ever really, but uh, with uh, kind of mixed success in the in the sixties and seventies. Um, he was in uh, Grand Prix, and he he had, he suffered like the fate that a lot of of actors like that did, uh, like 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 Chai and Fat or something like that, where. Uh, they take like the big Asian action star and they put him in the movie and they make him like never talk, right? Uh, because you know they they think Asian accents are weird or they make him like really dour and scary, because, right? You know, uh, yeah. So I don't know. It's always it's always really depressing to see uh, people like like that in in American films. He was in the TV miniseries Shogun, which I haven't seen. I've not seen it either. But uh, yeah, he's in he's in nineteen forty one, the Spielberg film. Well, he also famously turned down the role of Obi Wan Kenobi in Star Wars. Right. <laughs> that would have been weird. It would have been really weird. That would have been a very different film. Yeah, certainly. But uh, yeah, he's great. Uh, I wish I could talk about Redbeard because that was the last film that he made with Kurosawa. Uh, they they had a kind of acrimonious kind of split, yeah. Uh, after that, um, but yeah, he's no, uh, it's, it's it's a really strong performance. And you know they only they only worked together for like what sixteen years, which is not all that long. It's pretty long. Yeah, I mean, God help me if I'm still doing this twelve years from now. <laughs> well, that's true. God help me if I'm doing anything twelve years from now. So. Um, but yeah, but he's great. I love him. So yeah, I let's move on to our essential, which is the essential capitalism is the devil movie. So <laughs> what uh, what what film for you kind of uh, exemplifies the evils of our economic system? Well, there are so many to choose from, sadly. <laughs> um but I actually I want to go with one that's a little that looks at it in a microcosm that you know where it's 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 not this this grand sweeping thing about a whole you know corrupt system but it kind of, but it still gets to the same kind of themes. Um, Is it future best picture Oscar winner The Big Short? No, <laughs> it's 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 a movie called The Revenant. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, it's. Uh, <laughs> It's a film actually I watched last year during the war month. Uh, it's Jules Dassin's 1949 film Thieves Highway, um, which stars Richard Conti um, as a as a war veteran who comes home to find that his father um, has been squeezed out of this uh, apple business by this uh, really evil 
capitalist pig uh, who kind of has a, a just a, a run on the whole market. Um, and it and it, he, he has his own um, grocery spot in San Francisco uh, and he and he does anything in his power to like, you know, get a better deal and cut people out. And, he, you know, he literally at one point uh, goes back to the scene of a crime where a character has has been killed and takes all of the uh, goods that were left, you know, in the flaming wreckage of this car accident. He takes them so that he can sell them uh, and make a profit off of the demise of somebody else. Uh, and it's one of the best uh, noir films that I saw during that month. Um, a really, really great, um, bleak, very bleak uh, film. But uh, it does kind of encapsulate that kind of concept of, for me, of, of capitalism, of just... Uh, absorbing as much as you can and 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 to hell with anybody else um and it's uh pretty harrowing so that, that's my pick what about you sean uh well i just want to want to agree that that thieves highway is like an amazing film like it's I, so good right I, I i saw it once and i'm like why is this movie not talked about more right. like it, it is one of the best movies right. um i don't get it it's like flame yeah. in the arrow. I don't, I don't yeah. get it. It, it, but, is, uh, it is so good. Yeah. Um, and Richard Conti's, you know, really underrated. Like, uh, I mean, I, I don't love the guy. It's not like I seek out Richard Conti movies, but in this one um, and in uh, Big Combo. Uh, I like Richard Conti a lot. He's he's great. Yeah. He's in The Godfather. He's in The Godfather. Yeah. Um, yeah, but in in this movie in particular, I think he's he's really really wonderful. So, uh, Thieves Highway rules. So, what's your pick for Capitalism Is the Devil, Sean? Uh, mine is uh, is a is kind of an obvious pick. It's it's a very recent film. It's uh, Welcome to New York, which uh, uh, came out in two thousand fourteen, and it played here in the U.S. in two thousand fifteen in an edited version. Um, but it is uh, Abel Ferrara's film kind of inspired by the Dominique Strauss-Kahn scandal in which uh, Gerard Depardieu playing a uh, a uh, kind of uh, uber-rich master of the universe economist politician type uh, first for the first half hour of the film engages in uh, like a ludicrous orgy in his hotel room at an economic conference and then sexually assaults a maid the following morning and then gets arrested and put on trial for the, the sexual assault. And the, the movie's kind of divided into separate parts. There's like the, the orgy and the assault and are the first third. And then the middle third is uh, this kind of uh, uh, kind of surreal, realist uh, procedural look at like the step-by-step process of his incarceration like him getting arrested and they're taking like his fingerprints and 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 all of that uh and then the the last part of the film becomes like increasingly abstract as the depardieu character kind of gives these monologues or like arguments with his wife over why he has the right to do whatever he wants because he's richer and smarter than everyone else and it's it's this kind of meditation on on power and economics and and the way that that our system really works at the highest echelons that is 
is really harrowing and really disturbing and and really really good. I think Depardieu is is terrific in it, and whatever you can say about him as a human, he is he is <laughs> a fantastic actor, and it is a it's a great showcase for him. Yeah, that's one I haven't caught up with uh, yet, but I remember the hoopla that kind of surrounded it when it came out, and uh, I am intrigued by it. Yeah, it's a movie I thought about a lot when watching Bastards, which, which came out before, and in a lot of ways is is stylistically opposite uh, to Welcome to New York, but uh, it has the same kind of really bleak, black-black spirit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In its in its critique of modern society, so I would expect no less yeah. from Abel Ferrar. Yeah, and if you if you watch it, be sure to not watch the unedited version because uh, I'm I'm not exactly sure who who re-edited it, but it wasn't so much to make it less explicit sexually, but it kind of it changes the sequence of events such that it's possible that the uh, that the sexual assault didn't happen in the cut version, which kind of, it completely undermines the whole point of the film. Right. Because I mean, it is about the fact that he did this horrible thing and he doesn't feel any guilt about it because he doesn't have to. Right. And, and, and yeah, to make it, uh, ambiguous, whether or not he actually did this horrible thing, uh, just pretty, totally like destroys the the point of the film. Right. That's pretty stupid. Yeah. <laughs> so don't don't see that. See the uncut original version. Deal. Okay. Uh, is it is it easy to get the uncut? You can get it on I, DVD. Or I I don't know. Okay. I I honestly don't know. I saw it I saw it in the Vancouver Film Festival. Gotcha. All right. Well, uh, we will now take a little break to hear a clip. Uh, from Claire Denis' Bastards, uh, and then we will have a nice little discussion about this charming little movie. C'est bizarre ce mec qui loue un gros appartement vide. Tu trouves ça normal? J'en sais rien. Je suis revenu pour ma nièce. Moi, j'ai choisi une autre fille.
All right, so with as with a lot of Claire Denis films, there is the plot of Bastards, and there is also kind of describing what Bastards is. And I think to start with, I'm going to go through the plot um, because it's actually a lot more uh, obvious and explicit than than most of her movies that I've seen. But it's uh, a guy, a ship's captain named Marco, played by Vincent Linden. Uh, finds out that his brother-in-law has uh, killed himself. And he goes to help out his sister. Uh, he finds out that his niece uh, is has been hospitalized and has been uh, uh, basically uh, savaged, ravaged. Uh, has a whole lot of like psychological and, and physical problems. Uh, the, his sister blames this all on her husband's former business partner, partner the, a very rich man named Edward, played by Michelle Subor. So uh, Marco moves into Edward's mistress's apartment building. Uh, the mistress is played by Chiara Mastriani, and he starts up an affair with her to try and, and get close to Edward. And ultimately, uh, it all gets found out and things turn out to be even worse than Marco had feared. <laughs> and, and much like uh, uh, Mafuni in, in The Bad Sleep Well, his, his quest for revenge ends up uh, rebounding on himself and, and destroying himself. Literally backfiring. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this movie is dark. <laughs> it's... You know, I don't like bastards. I thought it was gonna be like a, I thought it was gonna be like a Seth Rogen kind of you know raunchy sex comedy, but no, no, it's pretty bleak. It's it's basically it's basically the Bad Sleep Well mixed with uh, uh, Twin Peaks Firewalk with Me, but all all done in uh, in the style of Claire Denis, who is uh, which is a very unusual. She's a very unusual director a fascinating one and there's really nobody like her so it's one of the you know one of the really interesting things for me in watching this is seeing her style at work in what is a a fairly typical kind of noir genre story albeit a very very dark one it's yeah <laughs> this movie's pretty brutal and it's uh you know, when 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 in the first ten minutes, when the doctor says we may need to repair her vagina, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, you know, you're in for a wild ride uh, in terms yeah. of that. But uh, yeah, yeah, it is it is deeply unpleasant. Yeah, it's a it's a tough pill to swallow. And I think I think a lot of that comes from from the way that that Denis kind of sucks you in. Not to the plot, but to the the emotions and kind of the mental states of of her characters, and and that that oblique style she has really really draws the audience in, really gives you like a feel for their world. Like nothing, no no other director's movies look and feel like hers. There's there's such a a kind of sensual in the sense that you can you can like sense everything on the screen. Like the, the way that, that Jara Mastriani looks at Vincent Lindon's back, 
like right. and just kind of like the ripples under a shirt or like the feel of the fabric on skin is is so like tactile and and so felt that all of these like little details suck you into this world and then she hits you with like horrible horrible plot developments and it's just it's brutal well and then, and the first shot of this movie is is just torrential rain coming mm-hmm. down um and you even at first you can't even tell what it is but then as it as it kind of uh it kind of cuts into indoors or whatever and and just starting out within this uh, this rainstorm is is exactly what you're saying it throws you into this thing and it feels it's it's a very visceral you you feel like you're right there it's very immediate um there's there's no uh there's no distance between you and 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 the, what's taking place on screen and uh i don't know if i want to be that close <laughs> yeah it's 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 very unpleasant but it's all you know it's all for a purpose like oh, sure. like she is this isn't reveling in in nastiness no. or anything yeah, yeah yeah no she's not she's not attempting it, to to punish ex- right she's not attempting to punish the audience in the way that like a like a uh like I would say, like a Lars Runcher or Michael Haneke is after. I think she wants you to empathize with her characters, as opposed to teach you a lesson about capitalism. Right. And I mean, the 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 you know what happens to her characters is is horrible, but it's all part of this, much like the Bad Sleep Well, this this critique of of capitalism. And. Uh, yeah, the way the way people just use other people, right? It's uh, it's 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 very disturbing, but it comes from a place of of empathy as opposed to right. It's not exploiting yeah. anything. It's right. not it's not using uh, incest or rape or um, you know even something as mundane as infidelity yeah. <laughs> uh, as uh, which is a relative. Uh, problem in this movie mm-hmm. um, it's not using any of those uh, for cheap thrills or anything like that yeah yeah and I think I, that that makes all the difference in the world for me like uh, I, I, you, I generally you are decidedly I, not a fan of those movies that maybe uh, maybe trying to stick the audience's nose in it yeah yeah. yeah, I find that very unpleasant. And and while this one is is extremely disturbing, I I think it's it's really good. <laughs> yeah, I think it's good too. I I don't I don't love it. I didn't like it as much as The Bad Sleep Well. Um I, I there are things about it I really did enjoy and I, and and some of them are the uh, touches that Denis puts into it where um there are there are certain moments that happen um that we we get shots of um that are non-linear um in terms of you know you're you're not quite sure the first time you see uh this naked woman walking down the street what the hell's going on um and and it's intentionally done like that and chopped up because when it actually the reveal happens um it's 10 times more uh, disturbing than it would be if it just happened um, when it was chronologically supposed to happen. Um, and there, there are a few moments like that that I think are really, really great. I think it looks fantastic. Uh, Agnes Goddard uh, shot it. 
and uh, it, she, it just, she shoots like almost all of Denise films, if not all of them. And yeah. she's she's one of the best cinematographers in the world. Really, really fantastic stuff. Um, but that being said, I I I didn't find myself as um, as immediate as all of the 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 stuff that's occurring on screen is. And uh, I did not find myself as um, I guess intellectually as wrapped up in it um as i was with something like the bad sleep well um there, there are moments of this that um yeah a little tedious i think but but on the whole i think it i think it is very good i'm not, I'm not trying to dismiss it but um i didn't i didn't embrace this as much as i um may have seen the scene uh yeah i'd see i i i understand that uh I had the opposite reaction. I was I was much more tied up in this than the Bad Sleep Well because uh, I I kind of would get bored with uh, the big speeches in Kurosawa's films because or in Kurosawa's film because it all everything in the movie is literalized and it is spoken and there is there is always a, a, a speech you know that somebody will give to underline all of the themes whereas Denis takes a much more oblique approach and it's one that I found uh, if not necessarily more intellectual like I don't think this film has anything to say that that Kurosawa didn't say in right. The Bad Sleep Well or that any other number of other films or you know op-eds might also say but uh, while uh, while all the speechifying in the bad sleep well and and kind of the the hermetic formalism of it all kind of kept me distanced from what was going on. I I appreciated all of the drama. I like right. the the way that everything kind of clicks into place and all of the different schemes and the performances and everything. But I had like a visceral emotional reaction to this film. Yeah. And, and yeah, and I did too. I, I, I think I've moved into a place now where, um, I used to be, I used to have, have more of a problem when things were, as you said, in the bad sleep well, where things are really, uh, hammered home, mm-hmm. <laughs> so to speak. And that movie, like, it's not subtle. Like you said, it's all on, it's all in there, but, um, I've moved into a spot where, if a if a movie's just laying it on thick, um, but it's but it's done well, it's spread well. Um, I'm all about it. But I hear what you're saying. I, I know I totally know what you're saying. And um, and and I do like the approach that it, that takes place in this movie. And I, and I do like once again, as, as we were saying with um, the bad sleep well and its ties to you know what may be Hamlet or something like that. I really did like the the differences here um, from the bad sleep well, because um, there aren't exact analogs for each character and all that kind of stuff. You definitely see the, um, the through line between these two pictures. Um, but I think uh, Denis really made a unique work. This isn't a remake of the bad sleep well, so to speak. No, no, it's, it's very much kind of loosely inspired by. Right. Um, and I really appreciate that. I, I like that a lot. Yeah. I think, uh, and the reason it's called Bastards, by the way, is uh, I mean I'm sure you know, but I'm just gonna uh, sure. lay it out there is that uh, 
the French title of the Bad Sleep Well is The Bastards Sleep in Peace. So uh, it does it does have that connection as well. Yeah. Um, but but also everybody in this movie is a total bastard. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I really I like. Uh, uh, what what it has in common with the bad sleep well most of all is on like the figure of uh, in in Marco and and in Tashiro Mifune who are like fundamentally decent guys who you know go out on this path for revenge because they think they seem to believe in some kind of justice in the universe right. and that is what ends up destroying them right. and I, I I love that approach to the revenge film because it's not like uh it's not something you typically see in a in a revenge movie there's like revenge is self-defeating but not like revenge isn't possible because there's no such thing in, as justice because capitalism well there's a there's literally a line in oh no 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 i read a thing with uh denis uh where claire denis said uh, revenge is a as a is an idea created by cinema or something like that. You know what yeah. I mean? Where it doesn't actually yeah like that that kind of and hey don't get me wrong I love your classic revenge movies where you know someone gets their comeuppance and you get that kind of you know lizard brain you know just you get you get to let that release out. I love that mm-hmm. stuff. Don't get me wrong, but um but I do I do love that both of these films um are saying no that's not how it works. And and it's and uh, both of them do, intentionally don't give you what you want. They give you what you need, so to speak. Um, and I and I do really love that element of both of these movies. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's not even that there's like that there's no justice. It's that the only reason they're trying for justice is because they believe this. They have this vision of themselves that that's from movies, from from film right. noir, or from. Uh, uh, the Count of Monte Cristo, I thought, was was a really uh, strong analog to the Bad Sleep Well, more more so than even Hamlet, I think, uh, it, which is about this guy who who creates this like r- incredibly elaborate revenge scheme that plays out over years in the same way that Mafuni does. Um, right. Uh, so you know, I mean, the the idea of revenge is is older than the cinema, but the the characters in these movies are playing out as if they are in a film noir, going after revenge, like right. and. But it doesn't yeah, get it the, just it the doesn't tidy ending. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't it doesn't explain the world in the way that they think it does. Yeah, like the world's much worse than cinema would have you believe. Yes. And I and I love that uh, yeah that kernel that that nugget of uh, wisdom I I think that's really great and it's something that um, needs to be said yeah uh, I also as as this is a, a Claire Denis film uh, the the soundtrack is by Tindersticks uh, they do most of her scores and uh, I really love the soundtrack in this one yeah I think there are certain uh, w- whenever someone is not singing. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, I, uh, but yeah, I think no, I think I think the the song over the end and the end credits and like I mean the the final images of the film are just horrifying, of course, and and the song over it, uh, it contrasts with that nicely and kind of emphasizes the the horror in it. Right. Yeah. The ending in this movie that's where that David Lynch that you're bringing yeah. up really comes through. It's it's that kind of mix of 
Twin Peaks and uh, Lost Highway kind of stuff. And oh man, right. And the Oof. and the footage is like of this lo-fi video, like right. uh, like Inland Empire, and yeah, it's it's rough. Um, yeah, no, the the music's good. It's atmospheric. It really do, it does. Uh, lend itself well to to what's taking place in the movie and and uh the song that's playing um during the car crash um is yeah. is used really 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 well um and i was thinking about it while i was watching it because all we're really seeing in that section um is is um the daughter i can't remember her L- name lola right. creton who was in uh justine yeah her, her character's name is justine yeah, she's in uh, uh, the Olivia Sayas film. Um, something in the air. Yeah, something in the air. She's also in uh, uh, Catherine Brayot's uh, Bluebeard, which is really cool. Yeah. Uh, well, so she, so all we're seeing is a shot through the windshield of her um, with her hands on the wheel, but the, so there's no there's there's nothing visually that's showing us that the car is uh, accelerating, that it's going faster and it's getting more dangerous. The only thing that's doing that is that the, uh, the beats per minute in the song, it, the, it's, it's, the song is speeding up and yet it still works. Like it's, you still are like, oh my gosh, you know, things are getting a little intense here. Um, and so that stuff, I, that, that was really well done. Yeah, you said, you said this was only the second Claire Denis film that you've seen? Yeah. I've uh, I've seen Friday night, um, and I've seen this. <laughs> yeah, and I kind of I kind of joked on Letterbox that if this was the first Denis movie I had seen, I would never want to watch another one. Um, because, because of the br- brutality of it. Because all? because of the brutality, and I think if I didn't know her other work, I might have decided that she was just like a brutalizing director, like like Haneke or, or Von Trier or something, and I would have you know, not ever wanted to go any further, but, but seeing the other stuff I have, I don't, I don't, I wouldn't claim to understand Claire Denis. Like we did a, they shot pictures on her and my basic contribution was, I don't really get her, but I like her (laughs) a lot. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Um, yeah. Yeah. She's a, she's a director that I, you know, I've been, especially since around the time 35 shots of rum came out, um, maybe it's just the circles I was running, but like there, there definitely seemed to be um, her, her name was banding about a lot. And um, she's, she's been someone that's been on my radar for a long time. And I, I, you know, I enjoyed Friday night. I didn't love it, but, um, and I enjoyed bastards, but I didn't love it, but I, I'm absolutely um, interested in seeing her, um, her other stuff, including 35 shots of rum and, uh, you know, I think I think Bo I know. I, I think I think thirty five <laughs> shots of rum and and Bo uh you would you would like quite yeah. a bit. Um, I I love both of those movies as well. And and Bo since you're doing adventure films, kind of qualifies. It's a French Foreign Legion movie. All right, I'll yeah. I'll I'll run it past the uh, the committee. You can make a, a foreign legion double feature with that and uh, uh, Gary Cooper's Beau Jest. There you go. Well, you know what I'm interested in. I was looking at uh, Denise' filmography uh, today, and the next film, the the one that's in production or whatever state it's in at this point, is listed according to IMDb as being sci-fi. And I'm like, yeah. that sounds cool. <laughs> 
Yeah, I, I don't think, know anything I, beyond that, but that sounds pretty cool. I think I've, I've heard a little about that. I don't remember though. Uh, her her first film, the one that is that is playing next week at the at the Film Forum, uh, uh, Chocolat, is is really is very strong as well. It's a, a really terrific debut film, and it's uh, it kind of gets at what is a, like a recurring theme in in her film that of uh, uh, French people in in Africa. And mm-hmm. also African people in France. Uh, yeah, it's it's more of a kind of a traditional kind of romance type movie where there's like a like a cross class romance seen from an unusual perspective. It's it's very good. She's she's really good. I I'm not disputing that. I'm, yeah, yeah. I, I I haven't found a Denis film that I you know I haven't loved him, but uh, I absolutely respect her and I. I think she's, like you said, a very distinctive uh, voice, and uh, I, I look forward to seeing those other ones. White material, all that stuff. So, yeah. yeah. So. Uh, oh, so also. Oh, yes. One, one last thing. Uh, the Isabel Huber character in Hong Sang Soo's In Another Country is based on Claire Denis. Oh, there you go. You Hong Sang Soo met her at a like a film festival and wrote a movie about her. <laughs> That's pretty cool. If I am remembering that anecdote correctly. That was a dream you had. <laughs> it might be. Uh, so without further ado, we're going to listen to um, some more Moby Grape. Uh, once again, uh, if you've seen Bastards, and I hope you have because you shouldn't have listened to us talk about it if you haven't seen it. But um, oh, We didn't spoil anything. No, no. But uh, this song is, is perverse uh, in its selection uh, based on this movie. But this is the song Naked If I Want To from Moby Grape. Would you let me walk down your street naked if I want to? Can I pop fireworks on the fourth of July? Can I buy? Well, that's it for this episode of the George Sanders Show. Uh, next time, we will be doing our Oscar Spectacular. Uh, and we're going to be talking about two films from 1946, as Sean mentioned earlier in the show. That's our year in review this year. Um, we're going to talk about nominee The Razor's Edge and Jacques Tenor's Canyon Passage. Um, the, so I'm looking for... Yeah, what? Uh, well, the one, The Razor's Edge stars Gene Tierney and Canyon Passage stars Dane Andrews. Who right, so were, where the sidewalk ends and the whole, yeah. Yeah, they were often all comes together. paired right. together in movies, so right. that is the logic uh, there. There we go. Um, so that's going to be a lot of fun, I think. And we'll also talk about the 2015, I guess it's called the 2016 Oscar race, but it's all 2015 movies. Uh, and, you know, do all of that fun academy bashing that we tend to do um well we'll also have our picks for like the big awards right i think uh and in terms of repertory programming uh i discovered 
right before we recorded the show, that conveniently uh, on Monday, February 8th, so just a few days from now, at the Hollywood Theater in Portland, Oregon, beautiful Portland, Oregon, there will be a 35 millimeter screening of Akira Kurosawa's Seven Samurai for $8. So I work on Mondays. And I, it's it's the day I work late. I work until eight, um, but I, I I need to think of a date for this month, <laughs> and so I am tempted to call in sick on Monday <laughs> and surprise my girlfriend with a trip down to Portland to go see Seven Samurai. But I don't know if that's going to happen. But it, it could be the greatest Valentine's of all time. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> Go do that if you can. Uh, maybe you'll see me there. I don't know. Sean, what do you got? Uh, I got uh, something much closer to home that is a, an easier commute than driving all the way to uh, to Portland. Uh, the The Grand Illusion is playing. Uh, they're playing Hitchcock Truffaut, which is the Kent Jones documentary on uh, the on the book. Uh, That's right. Book link interview between Alfred Hitchcock and Francois Truffaut. Uh, which I think we've both seen and we both liked. Yeah, it's okay. It's yeah. good. Yeah, it's good. It's it's a, it's a great book, obviously. And uh, they held it over for another several days this week. And along with that this week, they're playing a 35 millimeter print of Notorious. And My also a 35 print of Mississippi Mermaid, which is a Truffaut film that I have not seen. But uh, it does not get better in film than notorious and it doesn't you can (laughs) it's it's very hard to find things on 35 millimeter in the seattle area and i yeah that's about as good as uh as you're gonna get yep i've watched notorious uh once in the last i've watched it once a year for the last couple of years and uh it gets better every time yeah. It really does. It's that, it it's does. So it 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 gets better, and it's 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 a different movie every time. It is not, not just it better. Is. Yeah, it's totally a different. You're so right, and 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 you don't say that about a lot of movies, but it totally is. It, mm-hmm. It's it's such a fascinating picture. Um, yeah. Seven Samurai is like that too. Um, you know, there's a, there's an episode of the Clone Wars uh, cartoon series that is inspired by Notorious. Is where that, it plays is out with uh, with Anakin in the Cary Grant role and Padme in the uh, Ingrid Bergman role. Oh yeah, yeah. Is uh, it's pretty good. Is is there a Claude Rains in it? Is Yoda Claude Rains? Uh, it's it's like some random senator who who is uh, who is corrupt and they're trying to expose uh-huh. him, an old boyfriend of of Padme's. Got it. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty neat. I mean, they even have they even like mimic some of the shots. Like uh, Padme like holds something behind her back, and it ends with like the staircase. And yeah, it's really cool. Oh, that's cool. It's I a very it's a it very uh, cinephilic uh, series. Yeah. yeah. All right. I, I maybe <laughs> after Adventure Month, I'll I'll try the Clone Wars out. Yeah, it's it's, it's a good series. Cool. Uh, <laughs> to to uh, end the show on a on a tangent. Yes. Um, well you can find out more about us at the george sanders show.blogspot.com we're on twitter at geo sanders show and we have a website or we have what do we, what do we have oh an email account uh, the george sanders show at gmail.com and we also write at seattle screen scene.com uh and we are gonna pass it off 
pass the baton to our namesake this week. Um, we don't have Lee Marvin singing anything. Although I guess we could do Paint Your Wagon, but, uh, but this we is won't. another reason that we, <laughs> we really won't. We'll spare you that. Uh, this is another reason that it's called the George Sanders Show, because no one croons them like uh, Georgie does. So mm-hmm. take it away, George. Just a kiss, a sigh is just a sigh. The fundamental things apply as time goes by. And when two lovers woo, they still say I love you. On that you can rely. No matter what the future brings As time goes by Moonlight and love songs Never out of date Hearts full of passion Jealousy and hate Woman needs man And man must have his mate That no one can deny It's still the same old story A fight for love and glory A case of do or die The world will always welcome lovers As time 